good morning, everybody. My name is Danny. I'm the Terrasani Campus Director. I want to say a big hello to everybody watching us on Facebook, all of those of you out on the patio and enjoying the weather. Mamas and babies in the mama's room, hello. We're glad that you guys are here. Those of you watching during the week on YouTube, wherever you're at, we're glad that you guys are here with us this morning. And before we get started, I want to stop and kind of give a, a little bit of health update on Pastor Mike. Uh, Pastor Mike had surgery on Monday. He has a uh, ulcers in his bladder, and uh, he went in for a normal kind of routine surgery, and it ended up being a little bit more difficult than what they thought, and is needing a little bit longer of recovery time. So he's resting before he gets ready to go uh, to Israel for a couple weeks. So we're like, hey, uh, sometimes you have to tell Pastor Mike to stop because he won't stop, and so we're like, like the party won't stop with Mike all the time, Pastor Mike all the time. So. Uh, we're like, hey, take some time and rest before you get off on this, get going on this big trip. So what I want to do is I just want to stop and pray for him um, as a church for health and healing and rest because he needs those things. So let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we thank you for uh, Pastor Mike. We thank you for his knowledge and his wisdom. God, we thank you for his leadership. We thank you for the incredible, uh, passionate servant heart that you've created and put inside him and drive him. And God, we are all um, have been impacted by his life and so thankful for him and Pastor Teresa. But God, as a church, we just want to come together and just want to pray for healing and rest. Um, God, help him take advantage of the time and uh, step aside from work and all the things that kind of drive him a little bit too hard that God, he can take this time and just rest and breathe and heal and you um, perform all the miracles that you can uh, perform. So God, we thank you for him again, and uh, God, we just lift him and Pastor Teresa up to you on um, their trip to Israel, that they travel safe, that it's incredible, and all those things, God, and uh, we just pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Hey, I'm going to ask you guys if you know somebody. Uh, he's a, uh, I don't know if he's a household name, but he probably should be a household name. His name is Carson King. Anybody ever heard of Carson King out there? Carson King, one person has. Carson King is a undergrad. He's a student at um, Iowa State University. Huge college football fan. He kind of might be a stereotypical college student by what you're going to see here in a moment. In fact, parents, if you have a college student, I would say this is probably not how you want your son or daughter to make their national television debut. Hold tight. <laughs> Carson uh, was at uh, the big, couple weeks ago, there was the big in-state rivalry game, Iowa, University of Iowa, the Buckeyes, are the Hawkeyes versus the Cyclones of Iowa State. And it was the big college football day. Iowa State is not known as a powerhouse for college football, but they have actually have a pretty good team this year. And College Game Day, which is an ESPN show on Saturday mornings, showed up to the campus of Iowa State. And Carson, being the true Cyclone fan, he wanted to be there. Now, if you don't know what uh, College Game Day is, College Game Day for a lot of us college football fans is Saturday morning. There's nothing else. It was cartoons when we were kids, and now it's College Game Day as we are adults. Same difference, bowl of cereal, just different programs. <laughs> My wife is blessed to watch that as we drink coffee with me on Saturday morning as well. But what it is is a show they show up on uh, college campuses, college football, big college football campuses all throughout the U.S. 
Um, they talk about the games that are going to happen. They make predictions about who's going to win. They have celebrity guests. And the, the tradition is, is like people show up, college football fan crazies show up, and they have ridiculous signs that say all kinds of crazy stuff, or they have their team flags, and it's just a party at like 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Carson, being the Cyclone fan, decided, oh, it's game time, baby. I'm showing up. And Carson's sign, which you're about to see, is a parent's worst nightmare for their son to show up on national television. And Carson's sign said this, Bush Light Supply needs replenishment. Venmo me, Carson King, 25. Every parent just cringed in the room. That's Carson with the smile on his face. Either Carson got up really early and made that sign, or Carson did not go to sleep the night before with his other crazy friends and showed up. Carson put his Venmo account on there. If you don't know what Venmo Venmo is, Venmo is an app on your phone that uh, you can send people money to their bank account. If you borrow 20 bucks from somebody, you can send them $20. So Carson, the entrepreneurial spirit that he has, said, oh, I'm about to get paid. Well, throughout the day, Carson's phone was exploding. And his friends are like, what's going on? He's like, dude, I put that sign up on college game day, and my phone is literally melting. And throughout the day, it kept going off, and he kept checking it. It was more money, more money, more money, more money. You want to know how much money Carson King raised on that day? $60,000. What? For bush light? That's enough to supply everybody in the United States with bush light well enough. Carson raises 60 grand, and he's compelled at that point to do something different. Of course, he buys his $10 lifetime supply of Bush Light. And with the rest of the money, Carson says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to donate this money, the $59,991 he needed that's left. <laughs> I'm going to donate it to the, to the University of Iowa on my, my rivalry score. I'm going to donate it to their children's hospital. Now, here's the thing that's cool. The way that the, the Iowa Stadium, their football stadium, the, the uh, Hawkeyes Stadium is built, is, a call, is the children's hospital overlooks the stadium. And there's a tradition before kickoff that the crowd turns around and waves at all the kids looking out the window. So Carson raised $60,000, decides to donate it to the University of Iowa's children's hospital. Venmo and Anheuser-Busch, who makes Bush Light, caught wind of it and said, okay, we're going to match dollar for dollar and donate to the hospital, the children's hospital as well. At the end of the week, you want to know how much money they raised? It's ridiculous. One million dollars. What? Wow. But that's two weeks ago update. As of Wednesday, the big donation was done. You want to know how much the total for like all of it was? Give me a drum roll. $3 million that Carson did with a Bush Light sign to the hospital, Children's Hospital for the University of Iowa. Isn't that amazing? That is absolutely amazing. Carson accidentally fell into something that inspired people to give. Something that he set out just to, 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 to get his Bud Light supply replenished ended up donating $3 million to a children's hospital to his rivalry school. That's absolutely incredible. But imagine if as a church, 
this was accidental. Imagine if we were actually intentional. Because there's two things I get out of this story this morning that drives me to know as a church we want to be intentional in, in efforts like this. The two things I get out of this story this morning are this. People want to make a difference in this world with their lives. We see stories like this, right? Sadly, this isn't the dominant story in the world we live in. The story that we live in is these are feel-good stories that show up at the end of a newscast every once in a while. It's not the primary story. We hear self-serving about me and, and my best interest. These stories are feel-good stories, but they're stories that inspire people to want to make a difference. In us as Christ followers, it's something that was born in us. God created us that way. We see, we see that, that story play out through the entire Bible, throughout Scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We see this drive, this want, this passion to change the world with our lives, to be a part of a story that's so much bigger than us, but to be giving as well because generosity is contagious. A simple sign on a football program caught this contagious spirit, and these people gave $3 million. That's absolutely insane. When it comes to wisdom, and we've been in this series now for five weeks, a little bit of wisdom, and we've been looking at Solomon and, and the book of Proverbs and, and, and just these statements of wisdom, when it comes to being a Christ follower and this idea of wisdom, I'll say this. I know that I'm growing. We know that we are growing in godly wisdom when we begin to bring life to others. When it's no longer about the building up and sustaining of my good and my, like everything about me. When we realize that, oh, I'm created for so much more. The story of Scripture shows and tells, and as we grow in our knowledge and wisdom of Scripture, we're drawn to, to want to bring change, to want to bring life. That's the very message of the gospel is life change. And we're drawn as we're grown in biblical wisdom to, to really want to, to do more, to be a part of a bigger story that draws us to, to bring life change. James, in his book, um, James being the half-brother of Jesus, really writes what I'm trying to say here in a practical way. He says it like this, and he asks this question in, in chapter 3, verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? He's asking that question. Okay, you think you're wise, you think you're, you know what's going on? He says, okay, you can tell me, but now I want you to show me. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom are two very different things, and I said this a couple weeks ago. Knowledge is the, the growing in, in facts through research and study, and we have these facts and different things in our head, but wisdom is really the practical living out and discerning of all that knowledge and those facts. And what James is saying here, he's like, those of you that are wise, those of you that think you're smart and, and understanding, show me. Don't just tell me, show me. And James is also, in his book, he pens the, 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 the verse, faith without works is, he has this whole emphasis throughout the book of James, like this show and tell. I often refer to the book of James as the gospel in blue jeans, because it's a very practical, living type of book that drives you to say, well, you think you are people of faith. You think you have this wisdom and understanding. Well, let's do something about it. Let's just not sit. 
Because, and we've been driving after this point throughout this entire series, wisdom, and James says it here in verse 13, but this point is so true. Wisdom is not measured by degrees, but by deeds. Wisdom is not just measured by degrees, not just by the paper certificates on a wall. Now, listen, I get my student loan bill every month, too, and I'm going to tell you something. My degree matters, right? Anybody that has student loan bills, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if they're just certificates on the wall and they don't drive you to do anything else, but you, if we're going to get our heads filled with knowledge, because we can do this as a church, we can get our heads filled with knowledge and not really do anything about it, it serves no purpose. Wisdom, the discerning and practical living out of the facts that we have in our head, the knowledge we have in our head should drive us to do more. Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 3, says this. He says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. You who are wise, you who are understanding. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Don't just tell me, show me. The, the, the first part of that verse in, in, in this passage in verse 27, those first four words are huge indication on wisdom. It says, do not withhold good. What that really means is there is a moral and ethical charge to wisdom. It's not just an idea. There's this moral and ethical charge to wisdom. It's this charge to go and, 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 and don't withhold good if you have it. Don't tell somebody, oh, well, we'll come back tomorrow. No, if you have it, give it. Don't withhold it. It's really, for me, this whole passage is like a driving force behind our mission statement here at New Break. And our mission statement is this, connecting people with God through authentic relationships to serve communities. Those, if not truly lived out or understood, are kind of corporate words on a screen. They're blank words. They're cold words that can be on a piece of paper that I can preach from this platform to you. But if they're not who we are, if they're not truly lived out, if they're not truly understood, that's all they are, corporate cold words. But that's not who we are. We are the living proof that this mission is what we believe God has called us to. In the fact that connecting people with God, we are a church that believes everybody needs to hear the message of the gospel because everybody needs a relationship with Jesus. That's a bottom line. It's why we do what we do. It's like the bottom core of who we are. Like, we believe that the world is broken, that, this, that sin is continuing to manifest itself and continuing to cause brokenness in our world. And people need to hear the message of the gospel. Their lives need to be changed. They need a relationship with God, and that's why we do what we do on Sundays. It's why we do Saturday nights. But if all we did there was that, that's not enough. Because we can hear it, but until we see it, it's just words. That's why we're so passionate about authentic relationships. Because we're called to be in community. God created us from the very beginning. We see that we're called to be in community. He created us to be in relationships. And it's when it's in those authentic relationships that we have people that can pray for us. We, have, we can see people live out their faith. We can see people that have gone through situations that we may be going through. And we've watched how they've been a strong person of faith. But if we stop there, it'd be real comfortable. 
connecting. I've got a relationship with God, and I've got some really good friends, but I'm not doing it. I'm getting comfortable in my seat on Sunday. I have my life group on Wednesday, and we study a lot, but we don't do anything. That last statement, to serve communities, to me is really the fulfillment of our mission statement. Yes, we are absolutely about life change and helping people connect to God and get a relationship with Him or continue to grow in their relationship with Him and others, like-minded people growing in a relationship with Jesus. Why? So that we can serve communities, both here in Tierra Santa, San Diego, and throughout the globe. That's our passion. That's who we are as a church. In fact... When it comes to serving communities, uh, two weeks ago on uh, Thursday night, I went to uh, sorry about that. I went to a dinner uh, for our local Kiwanis uh, Club chapter, and um, they presented me with an award for us as a church. And this uh, award says this: it says Super Platinum Sponsor. That's legit, right there, right? I didn't even know there was anything called Super Platinum, but that's us, right? Super Platinum Sponsor presented to Newbreak Church in recognition of outstanding leadership and service. Guys, this is you. Give it up for you, like the work that's going on. One of the cool things that um, I was able to be a part of is as soon as people found out that I was um, the, one of the pastors here at, at Newbreak, they were like, man, we're so thankful that you guys are in our community. We're so thankful for the work that you guys do. We're so thankful that you guys are willing to, to partner with us in so many different ways, from the events, from uh, the Patriot's Day Parade, and Oktoberfest, and Tierra Fest, and um, our partnerships with the local schools, and um, anything that uh, somebody needs. They need a meeting space. They need to use chairs. They need to use tables. They need to use whatever. We are there to provide those resources, because we just don't want to be a building on Tierra Santa Boulevard that's here on the weekends. No, we want to be a building that's alive and an integral part of our community because we ask ourselves this question all the time. If we were to close our doors as a church, would anybody care or would they be glad? And if it's yes to those two, we're not doing our job. If it's, oh my gosh, Newbreak closed, what are we going to do? And what I heard that night at that dinner is we're getting that because they... They are depending on us for the things that we are so passionately called to do. We believe that God has called us to do. So, guys, you guys are doing it. You're doing it well. And thank you for being an amazing, amazing church. Today, we're going to be looking, um, at, at, yes, it's about local communities, but our focus today is going to be on two of our global partners. Two partnerships that we have internationally that um, are such a huge huge burden on our heart that um, as kingdom builders, and you hear us talk about what a kingdom builder is, and we're going to continue to define that, but as kingdom builders, these are two opportunities we have as a church to go and change the world. Um, it was uh, quite a few years ago that Pastor Daryl, he's our uh, missions pastor, and he was our campus pastor at our North Campus, at our Scripps Mesa Campus, and uh, he was the original campus pastor that planted the Scripps campus um, at a movie theater. Now it has its own building, which is super cool. But Pastor Daryl um, began to hear about this, the water issue throughout the globe, that outside of a few countries, this is a reality of 
most people is that their drinking water looks like this, filled with E. coli and bacteria and all kinds of other diseases and all kinds of other things. And, and Pastor Daryl was like, man, we've got to do something. And there was a little country of Fiji with a great need that we knew we could have a major impact. And so we began this water filter project called Give Clean Water. And Give Clean Water has made such a gigantic impact throughout the globe. When I was in Costa Rica, I got to see exactly what an impact this made. But Pastor Darrell does a 10 time better job than I could ever do telling the story of Give Clean Water. Check this out. There's a lot of sickness around the world that doesn't have a cure, but waterborne sickness is not one of them. And in 2008, Give Clean Water started right here out of New Break Church to impact the country of Fiji. We grew in our best practices and kind of been plugging along the way for the last 11 years. But right now, over 2 million people around the world have been impacted by the Give Clean Water way, where we are able to track reductions in diarrhea, that kids go to school more days, adults go to work more days, they save money on purchased water and medical costs, all of those things are part of the Give Clean Water way. And right now, as we speak, the Fijian government has identified over 1,300 homes that are on the emergency list that need clean drinking water filters right now, and Give Clean Water is ready to spring into action right now to cover those needs. Just yesterday, another need came in all the way across the world from the country of Liberia. The ambassador of water to Liberia, who answers to the president, called me and said, hey, our president has commissioned me to basically check in with you so that you can help us bring clean water into every school classroom across Liberia. And I was like, let's, let's do it. And, the, and what they basically asked for was that we would help them with the pilot to launch the first schools while they're raising the money from USAID and UNICEF and different places like that to cover the rest of those costs. So right now, as we speak, as we're finishing this year, we have some amazing opportunities, not only to get rid of uh, the waterborne sickness and eradicate those in the Fijian villages, but to be the first to start clean drinking water in every school classroom in the country of Liberia. So I wanna invite you guys to come along that journey with us and let's change the world together. It's an amazing project that we get to be a part of. And I wanna introduce you to my oldest son, Cash. Everybody say hello, Cash. Good to meet you. They're not excited for you this morning. Some of them are. You know, are. Sorry. <laughs> Everything he has is from his mom. That's what I always say, right? So sometimes when we hear stories like this and we don't actually have a visualization of what it is, it can almost feel like a newspaper article. Like, oh, that's great, and I read about it, I hear about it, but I don't necessarily know what it is. And what we wanted to do today was to show you exactly the process of what happens on boots on the ground. Like when I was in Costa Rica, we were able to partner with the families that go to the school that we work with there and provide these filters in their home. So I've actually seen this happen internationally. So Pastor Daryl goes with his team. They have these, uh, they get buckets, they drill the hole in the bucket, and then comes this gravity-fed system. This is a Sawyer water filter that um, we use. Uh, these are the filters that we use. And what it is, is it's a gravity-based system. This water, in fact, Cash, why don't you fill up a picture of that water? Let me see it. I'm going to pour it in there. 
imagine this is what you get up to to get a drink of water, is this water right here. The water goes into here, which is a, usually a three to five gallon bucket. Thanks, Kat. And what happens is through the gravity system, through this filter, you've got to prime it up a little bit, but then it starts to flow. Let it run for a couple seconds. Then you can fill your glass. And what used to be this is now this. There is sediment and everything in here. This is a nasty bucket of water. It's everything from there to there. That water turns into this, and that's good water right there. Cashy, what do you think? Oh, this guy. <laughs> what? He's like, I want all the germs gone, Dad. Uh, give it up for Cashy this morning. I said he gets everything from his mom. No, I'm just kidding. Here's, here's a kind of stark reality for us as people. This can be a situation that we could take for granted. Clean water, right? I do it every morning when I get ready to go to work. I turn the shower on, and I don't instantaneously jump in the shower because that's ridiculous. The water's cold, right? Ooh, that's a little tense right there. But I walk around, and I make sure the water's warm, and I get in the shower, and all that clean water that came out of that shower head just went down the drain. It's something that can be so easy to take advantage of. But when we're growing in biblical wisdom, this is the truth. That wisdom, this biblical godly wisdom directs me to equip others with the things that I take for granted. And there are so many different things in my life that I can take for granted, not just clean water, just the very fact of where I live and what I'm able to do because of the resources that I've been blessed with. I can take a lot of things for granted. And when it comes to biblical wisdom, I can even take that for granted and let it fill the knowledge of it, let it fill my head, but I love how, how, how Solomon starts off chapter 3. And if you remember from a couple weeks ago, if you were here, if not, chapter 3 is, is Solomon um, doing what his dad did to him or showed him was passing on the knowledge, and that's what the beginning of this chapter 3 is, is Solomon passing on the knowledge to his sons and for us too in this book of wisdom. In, in the first two verses, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. And those three words, do not forget, are very, very important. Why? Because, I, I don't know about you, but I know I can tend to forget. When stress happens, when a decision happens sometimes, when something takes place, when my kids go crazy sometimes a little bit, not that they do, but sometimes they do, I can forget that wisdom. I can forget those teachings to be peaceful, to think before I speak, to not speak out of anger, but speak out of love. I can forget those things. And Solomon not only wrote that to his son, but he wrote it to us. Do not forget. The emphasis that he's making here is that God's command should be at the very forefront of our mind. Why? Because God's ways are our ways. His ways are the why and what of who we are as Christ followers. It's what is, is filled in our heart is His ways. And His word 
His scripture, the Bible, is the best way for us to know His ways. As we grow in biblical wisdom, as we continue to study, the best way for us to know His ways are through His words. But imagine, imagine not having a Bible translation in your own language. If you don't have a Bible translation in your own language, if you've never heard it, and you don't know the Word, you don't know the truth, you don't know His words, you don't know His ways, you can't live His ways. If you don't know who He is, you will live in opposition of who He is because you don't know any better. It's not that you forgot, it's that you never knew. It's what's driven us to support the Wyclef Bible translators and and a guy named Adam, a missionary on the ground in Papua New Guinea. It's a project that we're involved in Papua New Guinea on providing a Bible translation for the Anga tribe. And a little information about the Anga tribe. The Anga tribe is the largest tribe in Papua New Guinea. And in Papua New Guinea, there are 800 different languages that are spoken. That's representative of about 12% of all the languages that are spoken in the United States. And they did not have a Bible translation in their language. So when they were hearing the word of, of, of God, that when they were hearing the Bible, it was said to them in kind of a broken pigeon type language that sometimes they could understand, sometimes they couldn't, and it just wasn't having an impact. And they were trying to provide a translation, but at the pace they were going at, without the resources and sponsorships and partnerships, it was going to take them 10 to 20 years. But we've partnered with Adam and Wyclef and are on a track to provide the entire Bible in five years. The Anga tribe, because of not knowing who God was and His ways, they are, a best way to describe them, and you'll hear this in the video, they are an eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth type of people. That you harm me, I'll kill you. You hurt our village or our people, we'll burn your village down and kill your people. They are a revenge-driven so providing the Word of God is of utmost importance because I think it's the fleshing out of God's Word that brings transformation to a, to a people group that are driven by revenge. We're going to hear more about it here from Pastor Steve, our uh, Pacific Beach campus pastor, and Adam, our missionary on the ground in Papua New Guinea. About a year ago, uh, I had the opportunity to do something that was actually one of the most extreme experiences I've ever had in my life. Now, you got to know that I love extreme things, uh, and I've been to quite a few different places, third world countries and things, and I thought that I had experienced extreme until I went to Papua New Guinea, into uh, one of the most remote places in the world. And we were there to see a translation team uh, do their thing and see how it all worked and see how we could support and help. And so um, the, one, of the, one of the nights that I was there, uh, I stayed in a bush hut, okay? This is an Inga tribe bush hut. And we were taking turns, and it was my turn. And so, all right, it's my turn. I'm, I'm going to do that. So I, that night, I, as I was in this bush hut, first of all, I'm, I'm not real good at that stuff anyway, but like, whatever, I'll take one for the team. I'm in there, and I hear, you know, the animal noises I could deal with. But what I heard, and, and you have to know this about the Inga tribe, there's a lot of violence. Uh, and so I heard men fighting and rolling around and I heard you know what sounded like cursing in their own language and this, this would like off and on through the night go on I've never experienced anything like this uh, the, 
Adam uh, Boyd and his family, they live in a solar-powered uh, house. There's no electricity, no restaurants, no nothing. And, and so I'm experiencing this, and, and, and I'm watching the team, and one of the most exciting parts was watching the translation team actually translate the Bible into Inga. And, and Adam will tell you all about it. It's incredibly complicated. But I had so much admiration for them as they worked hour after hour to translate the Bible in, into Inga. But here's the most powerful part that I experienced. So we had a, we had a ceremony, and we actually had the Bible uh, that was read to them in their own language. And so before that, I heard Adam talk to them in pidgin. And typically, that's what they hear. They hear the Bible in this sort of a pidgin kind of language, a little bit of American thrown in with some other languages. But for the first time, I watched as they were hearing the Bible in their own Anglo language, and it was so, I mean, like it was visceral. I mean, it was like electricity spread across. There was hundreds of people. And I saw, I saw this. It's like they were just literally coming up where out of their seats and the people that were standing, their eyes got open. And it was, you could see tears. And I just, for the first time, I saw the power of the gospel when people actually hear it in their own language. It was one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced in my life. That's why I believe so strongly in translating the Bible and supporting what Adam Boyd and his family and translators are doing over in Papua New Guinea. And, and right now, Adam, in his own words, is going to tell you a little bit more about that. My name is Adam Boyd, and I've been serving as a Bible translator among the Anga people of Papua New Guinea since 2012, along with my wife, Martha, and our three kids, Jacob, Bella, and Asher. This morning, I want to pray with you the Lord's Prayer in a way that you have probably never heard it before, so pay close attention. The Father of us, who in top sky stands. Say, speak well the name of you. Say, the ruling domain of you come. In top sky, they do as you think. Say, do in this down below ground, doing even that. Today, the food for eating, give. Against us, bad they are doing. Of them, the debts we are canceling. So you, of the bad of us, the debts cancel. Saying, do bad, leading us into the trials that happen. Don't go. From the hand of the bad man, you, taking action, get us. The ruling domain and the strength and the light happening later and later are even yours, obviously. Very true. Now, what I just shared with you is what the Lord's Prayer sounds like in the Anga language. And I shared it with you like that so that you could understand what it's like to hear the Bible in a second or third language. I imagine that as you are listening, you probably understood all of the individual words and you got the general idea of the prayer, but you had to concentrate. And even then it was still a bit fuzzy and you didn't grasp the full meaning. What you experienced is exactly what many people in Enga experience when they listen to the Bible in a second or third language. And when we don't understand scripture well, it doesn't penetrate into our heart and it's not there for those times in life when we really need it. Proverbs 3, 27 to 28 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it is, in, it is within your power to act and help the people of Enga receive the Bible in their own language. And you have already given so much and you've prayed for this project and for that we thank you. And because of your giving, we've been able to support six Anga speakers full-time in the translation work. And because they're working full-time, we've been able to draft the entire New Testament in under five years, which is a remarkable achievement. 
But what's ironic is that the passage that I just quoted to you from Proverbs remains untranslated in the Anga language, along with the bulk of the Old Testament. So stories like the creation, the exodus, the kingdom under David, the Psalms, the prophetic writings, they all remain clouded to the Anga people in a second language. And so I'm asking you, not the institution of New Break Church, but each one of you who has the power to act, to give, and to pray to help the people of Anga receive the Bible in their own language. Thank you, and God bless you. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's surreal to hear Pastor Steve talk about sleeping in the hut and really hearing those noises, not the animal noises, but the violence that was going on around him. And just to understand and know this, that on a couple of the nights that they were in the village, there were men that were killed. And getting up to that reality and knowing what had happened and seeing the grief and remorse on the families around them, just, he says it was overwhelming, it was unbelievable, but at the same time to see the translation, the Bible translation, for them to hear it for the first time, and some of these men that are involved in this violence, to see their lives completely just begin to change. Because it's like what I said. It's the fleshing out of God's Word that brings transformation to those that live in opposition. It's hearing the message of the Gospel for the very first time that changes people's lives. But for the people of the Anga tribe, the reality is, is that the Old Testament is not there. This very series that we've been in on wisdom that we've spent the last five weeks in, they don't have a translation to understand what that is. The, the verse that Adam said, uh, Proverbs 3.27, that we looked at at the beginning, he says, do not withhold good, this is Solomon, he says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power. The reality, church, is that every single one of us, in one way or another, have the power to act. We all have the ability, the power to act, be it through praying, being it through giving, giving it, being it through going, because we're going to have opportunities in 2020 to go on some of these trips and be a part of Give Clean Water and go to Papua New Guinea, and there's going to be opportunities for some of you to go. But we've been called. We've been called as a people, as a church, to go make a difference with our life. To, to be generous, because generosity is contagious. But this morning, I think we have to look at what our call is to action right now. And Pastor Daryl says it best. Weekend to bring you in on some of the great things that we have going on here as a part of Kingdom Builders. All the stuff that's gone on with Give Clean Water, over 2 million people impacted, and the call right now, right now, to, to solve the waterborne sickness crisis in the 1,300-plus households that are in the country of Fiji as we speak. The government has asked us to be a part of this. And the president of Liberia has asked us to help them bring clean drinking water to every single school classroom from kindergarten all the way up through university all throughout the country of Liberia. Who gets asked to do that? They just called us and asked us. They asked if we could be a part of the pilot that would help them 
initiate the, the water in the schools and then they're going to raise the rest of the funds through UNICEF and USAID and the World Bank and, and they're going to be able to do that and cover the entire country in every school. Liberia will be the first developing nation with border-to-border -border clean water in every household, but why not bring it to the schools as well? So here we are. What if your giving to Kingdom Builders each month matched your Starbucks bill? What if it, what if it matched your cable and your internet bill? What if it matched your car payment or your mortgage or your rent? As you are able to be generous, we could do some incredible things. Things that have been asked for us, even by governments, to come in and help solve some of these great problems. So that's what's at stake right here. Would, would you join? Would you join us in that? Would you challenge yourself? Look around and, and see all the things that we have living. Just because we were born or we live in this country, that we have all of these things that, that are at our disposal. I'm telling you right now that the, the reason why the world doesn't change and these things are not solved, waterborne sickness, all those things, is not because of a lack of resources. It's because of a lack of will. Would you join all of us this weekend with all of our will and all of our resources to come together to change the world in these tangible ways? That is the challenge, and I wanna challenge you to, to join us on that journey. So what's the ask this morning? That's always a question on a message like this. What are you asking of me? We're asking three things. Pray, give, go. For some of you this morning, your first step is to pray. You're looking at your finances, you're looking at your life, and you're thinking, you know what? I've got to go and pray. And I think all of us are called to pray, really, when it comes to how God wants to use us and has to, wants to continue to stretch us and grow us when it comes to generosity and our, and, our, and our resources, our finances. We all need to pray. We all need to ask God, okay, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to use me? And how can I use my resources to continue the work that we're doing as a church to change the world? I think we're all called to pray. But some of us in this room, if not all of us, are called to give. I think all of us are. And one of the mistakes I think I've made during our offerings is saying that Kingdom Builders is up and above our tithes. For some of you, that's the on-ramp. That's your first giving, is giving to Kingdom Builders. Because you hear a story like Pop about from, from Adam and, and Pastor Steve about Papua New Guinea, or you hear from Pastor Daryl, and you see this, this epidemic that's killing children, ruining families. And it's a reality, and you're thinking, I want to give to that. And everything you give to Kingdom Builders this weekend goes to these projects. And that may be the first way that you give. For some of you, it's time to step up and create that reoccurring giving account. In fact, if you put the giving slide up there, we, there's different ways that we can give. And um, we can give in person, which so many of you do, and we're so thankful for that. And you guys, every week, your generosity is just amazing, and it gives us the ability to we do. Those of you that tithe, it gives us the ability to do what we do during the week. And Kingdom Builders, you give us the ability to do what we do around the globe. And for some of you, it's that next step. Or first step for some of you, to give, to give to Kingdom Builders so that we can continue to change the world. Because here's the reality, without Kingdom Builders, without your support, without your partnership in Kingdom Builders, we can't do these things. And, and today isn't just something that we're here to stop and celebrate and, and, and pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, it's great to celebrate the work that we've done, 
but it's also to understand that these are not just projects to make us feel good about ourselves. No, these are tools that we use to share the gospel. Because it's like I said at the very beginning, we're passionate and believe that every person needs to hear the message of the gospel. The fact that, that God created you and I, all of us, as his people to be in a relationship with him. But sin, sin entered the world and broke that relationship. And sin keeps manifesting itself and getting bigger and bigger and more destructive. And our relationship with him keeps getting farther and farther away. And God knows it's why he sent Jesus to die on a cross, so that if we have a relationship with him, that means we now have been redeemed and reconciled and have a relationship with the Father. And every single one of us that sit in here this morning, our lives have been changed by that message. And as the church, through these tools, we've been called to be messengers of that gospel. The most powerful, life-changing story that's ever been told. And we get to go throughout the world and share that message. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Calling them disciples. That's our challenge, church. For some of you, it's that reoccurring giving so that we can continue that. For some of you, you've been blessed with financial wisdom. And, and, and a, a, a vast amount of, of, of financial resources. And you could write a check this morning that would absolutely impact what we're trying to do over the next two months. Over these next two months... Our goal to be able to continue these projects to support our missionaries. Because next month you're going to hear a message all about some more work that we're doing throughout the globe. Our goal is $120,000. $60,000 over the next, this month and next month. And church, I know we can do it. I've seen us do that and more. Because listen, he's calling us as a church to go connect people with God. So that they can have real, authentic relationships so that we can serve communities here in San Diego and throughout the globe as well. We're called to pray. We're called to give. We're called to go. Go change the world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the amazing opportunity we have to be the church to be the church that just doesn't sit comfortably in their seats and just kind of feel good about themselves. No, God, you've called us to be a church that's alive, alive outside of these walls. God, you've called us to be messengers of the greatest story ever told, your gospel, a message that's changed our lives, God, a message that will change everyone's life, a message that breaks the power of sin and draws us to you so that we can have a relationship with you, so that we can walk in step, hand in hand with you again and get that glimpse of heaven. So God, continue, continue to grow us and stretch us as a church when it comes to our finances and, and generosity. God, continue to stretch us in how we are to use our time, our talent, our treasures, our testimony. And God, give us Give us that time to pray. Give us the ability to look at those resources and give. But God, give us the courage, strength, and everything we need to go, God. To go, not to stay, but to go and be world changers. God, give us everything we need. That's my prayer, Father. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, we love you and we praise you. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.